June 26, 2022, we're in Masechet Sanhedrin and Daf Sadihe Amud Bet. If you count from the bottom of the page upward, it's four lines up, it's the third word on the line. The Gemara says, Amar il male mikra katub i efshar le omro. Had it not been, quote unquote, written in the Pasuk, it would be inappropriate and perhaps asur to state the following. We've seen this type of wording in the Gemara Masechet Rosh Shanan Daf Tetzayin. The Gemara over there is being Doresh the Pasuk, or maybe Daf Yodzayin. The Gemara over there is being Doresh the Pasuk Vayavor Adonai Al Panav Vayikra. And the statement over there is Milamed, I think it's a Bitzhak, that Akadosh Baruch Hu Kivyachol took a talit me'al rosho over his head, that's Vayavor Milashon Ha'avir. And he taught Moshe the 13 attributes of Rahamim, the 13 Midot Shel Rahamim. In each of those cases, this and this and that one and this one, as well as several others in Gemara, whenever you open the line, whenever one of the Emoraim opens the line with, had it not been written in the Pasuk, we would not have been able to say it. It's talking about something that's going to seemingly anthropomorphize HaKadosh Baruch Hu, give human attributes to God. And as a result, as well, had not been written, we couldn't be able to state that he put the talit over his head. He doesn't have physicality. He wouldn't be wearing a talit. Over there, much as over here, many of the mafarshim scramble to give an explanation. Even though the pasuk does say it, we can't take this literally. God has no physicality. Over there, as I recall, Rabbeinu Hananel says, it's a reference to Malach. There's an image which God paints for Moshe in his prophecy, in his nevuah, in which he sees a being, it's a Malach, it's not God himself, um, putting that talet over his head. Over here as well, I saw Yad Ramar, Bimeir Abu suggest that what we're about to read in describing quote-unquote God, even though we started by saying, oh, we're not allowed to talk like this, says uh, Yad Ramah, we're referring to an image that was shown of God. Anyway, says the Gemara, of, of an angel, by God. Dikhtiv, as the Pasuk says, Bayom hahu, on that day, Yigallah Adonai B'ta'ar ha-sechira be'evre nahar be'melech ashur et ha-rosh it's a pasuk which of course is talking in Sefer Yeshaya about the fall of Melech Ashur, the fall of Sanherif. Now the specifics and description of how he's going to fall and lose his power is interesting. It describes using a, a, a razor of some sort to shave off the head, the hair of the head, the hair of the legs, and the beard as well, the Pasuk says, Tispe will be scorched, will be lost as well. Now, again, with losing the hair, although uh, I'd like to say I still have strength, the loss of hair, that's right, Joe, could look at you as well, we could share this one. Loss of hair uh, in, a, in a monarchy type of vision is, so to speak, the loss of what's on top of the head, which we envision as the crown or the hair on top of the head. So if you're describing the king, the person who had that energy, that strength, it's almost a poetic, uh, you know, pro- proverbial way of describing, we're going to shave off his hair, we're going to take off everything that was on top of his head, not only the crown, this is how I understand it. I haven't seen Mefarshim on the Pasuk, but I understand it that way, that's the hair of the head. But it says more than that, the beard and the legs, all right, so says the Gemara, here's what happened, quote, unquote. Ata kucha birichu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And again, as I told you, Yad Rama carefully instructs us and reminds us, not HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself, but rather a Malach, an image of a Malach is going to appear. 
If I remember correctly, I once saw quoted that Torah Hatat of Ramar bin Moshe Isilis, he has a lot of difficulty with this Gemara as well. Anyone and everyone, first and foremost, we're going to see a lot of details that are hard to decipher. What are the clues of the rabbis in each of these particular details? But secondly, you're really dealing with an anthropomorphizing of God. You're giving him bodily attributes instead understand it in the best sense as a malach. Here it is, Atak Kadosh Baruch Hu comes, ve'adme, and this angel appears and looks like, makes himself appear like, kigavra saba, like an old man. Amar le, he turns to Sanhiriv, ki azalat legabe malchem mizrahu ma'arav, de'ayetitinhu libanayhu ve'katlitinhu, when you now return, this is the angel appearing to him from God to Sanhiriv after he's been smothered, the 185,000, the 2.6 billion. These people are all, or many of them, dead. Sanhiriv, you're going to now have to go answer all those who sent their sons, Banayu, Da'aititinhu, they brought their sons, the, who brought their sons, the Malchem Izrahu Ma'arav, the kings from the east and the west. If you recall, the Gemara described how the people marching forward to Yerushalayim together with Sanhiriv, were B'nai Melachim, together with their Zonot and others. So now you're going to have to go back. What are you going to say to them? After all, you went, I'm adding this with pomp and ceremony, you went as if everything was going to be, and I'm sure you spoke that way, everything would be a swift win. You're going to come back and explain how? What are you going to say to, what could you possibly say and save face in explaining why everyone has been killed? Amar lehu hahu gavra pahada nameyativ. So maybe it should be Amarle, they change it to Amarle. Says Sanhiriv in response, Hahu Gavrai, speaking in third person, Behahu Pahada, in that same fear and anxiety, Name as well, Yativ is sitting. In other words, he says, That's what I've been struggling with. Uh, old man who he, who, to whom he thinks he's speaking, you've really hit on a point that's been bothering me. I've been thinking about that. I've been disturbed by that. How am I going to now go back and talk to anyone and explain how there's children, how all of my legions were smothered? Amar ne'avid, says Sanhiriv to this malach. So what should I do? Amar zil You should go and change yourself. What do you mean change myself? Well, he wants, he says, you should go incognito, disappear. How am I going to disappear? Pause for a second. He's not going to physically disappear in the respect that he's going to be moved from place to place, but he's going to altogether alter himself and as a result, seem as if he's altogether different. That might be along the lines of a midah keneged midah. Keep in mind, he was taking the people and he was transplanting them from one place to the next. He's changing them. That's what he's doing. He's not killing people when he conquers. That's what he did to the ten shivatim. So anyway, here in this uh, description, so go and change yourself. It says, b'may ishni. How am I going to change myself? Amar lezil ayetili maspera ve'egazayich. Says the Malach to Sanhiriv, go and bring for me maspera, scissors, ve'egazayich, and I'll shear off your hair. I'll handle it. And it says, uh, says back to ve'egazayich, and I will shear it. Says Sanhiriv in response, mehecha ayiti, where am I going to get scissors from? I mean, keep in mind, it's right, it's right outside of Jerusalem. He doesn't even know the area. Says, go into that home. As he points to a specific home and bring Azal. He goes Ashkehinu atu malache sharet viidamule kigavre vahavu katahane kashiata. 
makes his way into this home, and who's there? Angels who appear and look like human beings, and they are crushing pits of dates. What's the significance of pits of dates and the crushing? I'm not fully certain. I mean, like I said, there's a lot of details over here that are left for the inter- interpreters of Midrashim to understand at a deeper level. Anyway, he finds Amar Lehu, he turns to them and he says, Sanhiriv, following the instructions of the Malach to him, Havuli Maspera, can you give me scissors? Amrule, they respond to him, Tehon Khad Garyava Dekashyata, Veniten Lacha. If you crush one of these date pits, we'll give you the scissors. He goes ahead and he crushes one of them. And in turn, they give him the scissors. So here's Sanhiriv returning with the scissors as requested by this, what he thinks, old man, all in the attempt to make himself disappear so that he doesn't have to deal with the shame and the uh, embarrassment and maybe the attacks of the, chil- the parents of the children who died at war with him. By the time he gets back to this malach, the kucha berichu, the uh, individual he thinks is an old man, it's dark outside. Amar le zil ayeti nura. So the malach, the kucha berichu, says to Sanhiriv, go and bring nura, go and bring a candle. I can't cut your hair. If I don't have light, azal ayeti nura. He goes and he brings a candle, I don't know if it's from the same place or somewhere else, as he's blowing it and trying to start it up, he's trying to wave at it in order to get the fire started, you know, you're starting a bonfire or starting a, a flame of some sort, you're going to be waving at it, the fire gets stuck, gets caught in his dikane, in his zakan, in his beard. As a result, Azal So he goes and he has his head sheared off and his beard, which is scorched, is finished off as well. Effectively, that pasuk then that described in Sefer Yeshaya how the king of Ashur, that Sanhiriv, is going to have his head, hair cut off rather, and his beard scorched away. Oh, that's what took place. Of course, it's an utter embarrassment to Sanhiriv instead of just cutting his hair. It's his beard that's gone as well. But uh, that's what needed to happen, says the Gemara Amru. Hainu dikhtiv, that's what the Pasuk means when it says, Vegamet hazakan tispeh, and the beard as well should be taken away. Amarav papa, hainu da, and, and what the Gemara means with the hainu da, uh, the, what's it called, hainu dikhtiv, you see, the end of the, the, the primary function in the Pasuk of what God's going to do to Sanhiriv was to cut off the head, the hair of the head and the hair of the legs. The end of the pasuk says vegam, and also it does zakantispe. So what the Gemara is understanding from this midrash, from this story, is really the plan was to cut off the hair. While we were at it, his beard got caught up as well. It's for that reason as well that this final statement fits perfectly. Amara papa hainu de amre inche says papa. You know that's what people say, and they probably derived it from this story, this parab, this uh, this legend about Sanhedrin. Giriratel armaa shapirle shapirle itlile nura bedikne vela savata huka mine. Uh, so he, he says that this is what people say 
that if you are um, scorching the uh, Armenian, meaning the, the uh, or Aramean, the, the non-Jew, that's the way the Chachamim are not going to say a Nochri or something of that sort, if you've been able to cut his hair off in a shameful way and it look good, looks good in your eyes, make sure that you light a fire under his beard to take that away as well. Now the statement more than anything of Rav Papa is a general statement. Once you're in the circumstance of Maybe appropriately, but taking down an enemy, dealing with a person, so don't just suffice with making fun of them in one way. Rav Papa says that's what people say. You know, give the full, uh, the full treatment that's due to them. The statement specifically with regards to the way they say, while you're taking off his hair, light a fire under his beard, says Rav Papa. I know exactly where we got that from. In other words, it's kind of this uh, expression. While you're at that, so make sure you finish him off like that as well. Says it must have been derived from this story, these Pesukim and Midrashim with regards to Sanhiriv. Says the Gemara, and continuing the story, it didn't end yet. Ashkah dapa mitevuta de Noah. Sanhiriv finds a, uh, a remaining plank from the Teva of Noah. Now that's going to be very appropriate to the context of Sanhiriv. Sanhiriv is, so to speak, looking for some sort of remnant. He's trying to somehow continue his life, maybe legacy, but existence, certainly. So, so to speak, finding that plank from the Teva of Noah is very appropriate to who he is right now. He's going to want to hold on to something and say, you see, I have a continuity. Amar hainu elaha he says, this is the God pointing to the plank from the, the destroyed, you know, at this point, the destroyed uh, Ark of Noah, Tevav Noah. This is the God who saved Noah from the Mabul. Maharsha points out in the back of the Gemara, he says, this is classic Avodazara. Avodazara, the way Arambam describes it in Hilchot Avodazara, really starts with an appreciation and understanding of true divinity and God. Well, we understand and we accept that. However, there are mechanisms and mediums through which we're going to approach God. And those mechanisms and mediums become confused with being a deity themselves. So think about, for example, what's that? Haita Egil is a great example. Haita Egil, if you envision it, perhaps, Am Yisrael just finished talking to HaKadosh Baruch Hu at Har Sinai. They're just 40 days away. It's not that they deny his existence. It's they want, What are you talking about? This is not the God. They want to look at the mechanism and medium as if it's part of an extension in some way of the deity of the God itself, turning it ultimately into the God itself entirely. So that's the circumstance over here. He's looking at the Teva, which you and I would look at and say, you see, that's the Chesed Vakadosh Baruch Hu. that's the mechanism, the means through which God acted with the world. He saved the world through the Teva of Noah, but the Oved Avodazara looks at it and says, oh, there's God himself. Anyway, says the, says, says the Gemara, he's looking at that, uh, that, that uh, daf, that dapa, that uh, plank from the Teva of Noah, and he's uh, ex- expressing about it, this is the great God who saved Noah. Amar, he says, in this context, he doesn't just suffice with expressing, he's going to make a vow, a promise, a condition. He talks about himself again in the third person. If that man, meaning himself, goes, and he's successful, in other words, 
If I now can continue in life, I know there were only five, maybe nine, maybe 14 remnants from this war, from these people of my camp. The Gemara debated that on the last Amud. But if I'm now successful, much as Noah could have been successful, the world rebuilds itself. If that's going to be my fate, mikarav lehu litren benohi kamach. I will sacrifice my two children in front of you absolute type of behavior and vision over here. The perspective is this plank, God for him, if you help me and help me succeed now going forward, I'll sacrifice my children, my sons, my lone uh, remaining family members, it would appear from the Pesukim, the important ones at least, to you. Shem'u binohi, his sons hear this, vekatluhu, and they're disgusted, and as a result, they kill their father. Hainu dichtiv, that's the pasuk which describes, and we referenced this on the last Amud, Vayihihu mishtahaveh bet nisroch. Pasuk describes how Sanhiriv is bowing, is prostrating, and, 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 and dealing with worship in bet nisroch. Um, and so that, that bet nisroch, we're going to be reading uh, um, uh, uh, cleverly as it's, uh, so to speak, a nesir. Nesir is a plank. So it's in the place where he found the plank to the to, to the teva, that's the dirasha and the word nisroch, Elohav, his God, he's now pronounced it his God, that's the plank, Ve'adramelech Veshar Esir Banav, those are the two names of his sons of Sanheriv, he kuhubaherev, they kill him in that circumstance. And then they go and they escape to Eretz Ararat, which is also very appropriate to the story of Noah. That's where the Tevav Noah rests. So his sons, after killing their father, run away to Ararat. There's a tremendous, through the reading of the Hachamim, irony over here. Whereas Noah's Teva rests on Ararat, giving him security and freedom for the future. Uh, it's Sanheriv who thinks he has that with the plank of Noah's Teva but quickly realizes and understands that's the ending for him, and his sons go and discover Ararat, as opposed to he, who believed he was going to end the lives of his sons and quote-unquote go to Ararat. Any irony with the fact that Noah's children embarrassed him? Very interesting. Didn't think about that. Charles says, furthermore, the sons or son of Noah embarrasses him. In other words, there's a whole aftermath with regards to Noah, after the Mabul, and over here you almost have the flip, the foil, he's going after his sons to sacrifice his sons in some way. It's interesting, keep in mind the sacrifice of Noah was also something he does after uh, landing, but for Noah it was animals, over here it's sons. That means his sons kill him, not somebody else kill him. Not What's that? that just, Pasuk says explicitly his sons kill him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's no questioning with Sanhedrin, his sons killed him. Okay, that's what the Gemara says with regards to the ending of Sanhiriv. Now, Sanhiriv. So now the Gemara says, all right, while we were getting to this point, you might remember we talked about Abraham. We talked about the amount of people who were going after Am Yisrael together with Sanhiriv. And we said it was the same people that went after Abraham, and it's the same amount of people that will go after Am Yisrael, or will fight rather in Mohammed Gog Magog in the days of uh, the end of days war. So now back to talk a little bit more about Abraham. The Pasuk describes how Abraham splits at night. He splits, sounds like he splits his camp. He and his slaves, they strike those whom they're pursuing. Again, this is in the war 
to get lot. That's a pasuk describes where they go until in fighting them. But the pasuk, as Maharsha points out, is a little bit misuras. It should either say, you know, during the night, Laila Vayehalek Alehem, night and he splits, or alternatively, it's missing a letter, Vayehalek Alehem Balaila, during the night. Instead, the Pasuk seems to be attributing Laila as doing something, Vayehalek Alehem Laila. I say, Vayelech Avram. Avram went, right? Went Avram. Vayehalek Alehem, split them. Laila. Laila seems to be the subject of the Pasuk, not the time in the Pasuk. It doesn't say during the night, it says the night. As a result of that diuk in the Pasuk, the Chachamim have several interpretations. Amar Biohanan, Laila is not a reference to night, but rather a angel. At the time that Abraham is dealing with these kings and these camps, he has a, uh, an angel whose name is Laila. That's what's being referred to in the Pasuk. Pasuk elsewhere talks about an angel whose name is Laila. The Gevara talks about Laila in one or two other circumstances. Different interpretation from that first interpretation was Biohanan. Okay, the second interpretation is Biohanan. I'm mentioning that on purpose. Pay attention to the names for a minute. He did at that time an act of night. What's an act of night? Sheneemar min shamayim nilhamu akochavim min mislotam nilhamu im sisra. That's the circumstance with Barak as he's fighting against Sisra. But the pasuk over there says that the sky has, uh, so to speak, part part of the battle. It's from their alignment that Barak fights with Sisra. The suggestion, in turn, uh, goes as follows. The stars and the night was aligned in its aiding of Abraham during this uh, fight. So that's the derasha with regards to what the Laila is. Rashi says, The stars were aligned, you know, maybe that's part of the expression of the stars being aligned, together in the fight of Abraham. So either it's the Malach or it's the actual stars, so to speak, aligning themselves in his fight. Amaresh Lakish, Resh Lakish, responding and reacting to these two opinions, how to interpret the word Laila. The first one being Rabbi Ohanan, who said it's a Malach, and the second one being Rabbi Tzhak Navha, who suggested that it's the actual stars. Tabad de Navha midibar Navha. He says the smith is better than the son of the smith. Who are we referring to? Well, the second opinion we saw over here was Rabbi Tzhak Navha. It was Rabbi Tzhak the smith. The first opinion was Rabbi Yohanan, who in many places in Talmud, as Rashi points out, in Masechet Bava Metzian, Pehe, for example, is referred to as Bar Navha, the son of the smith. Rashi says for one of two reasons, either because his father was actually a smith, a blacksmith, or alternatively, it spoke to the beauty of Rabbi Yohanan, where the Gemara does express that he was a very handsome and good-looking man as well. Either way, you slice it, the statement in turn, the cute statement afterwards, as he's referring to what happened over here, this debate, Resh Lakish says, you know whose opinion is better? The opinion of the smith, Rabbi Yitzhak Navha, that it's the actual stars, as opposed to the Bar Navha, the opinion of Rabbi Yohanan, that it was an angel. Okay, the Gemara continues, and it reads more of those Pesukim with regards to Abraham. The Pasuk says, Vayirdof Ad Dan. 
And Pasuk says, and he chases them until a place called Dan. Of course, that's a difficulty for Mefarshim in the Torah. What's it? We didn't have Dan yet. This was long before the birth of Dan and the settlement of the land. But the easiest way to interpret that is, this is Moshe Rabbeinu, by the words of God, writing the Torah. And as he writes the Torah, he describes the place as Dan, because in the future you're going to know that's the portion of Dan. Says the Gemara, Amar Biohalan Kevan Sheba Oto Sadiq Adan. So we're going to pay careful attention to the description of Pasuk of Dan. Why talk about Dan? Why talk about this place called Dan, the portion of Dan? Says Once that righteous person, meaning Abraham, arrives at Dan, he gets his his strength is diminished. Why is his strength diminished? What's wrong with Dan? He sees that in this place, in the future, there will be idol worship. His descendants, as a result, Abraham feels diminished strength. This is the rabbis again talking about the avot and throughout of being sensitive to place, being sensitive to life, being able to tap into that sixth sense wherein you you perceive, you, you're able to decipher and understand something about a circumstance that doesn't meet the easy eye. Says, says the Gemara, what's the pasuk that describes the Avodah Zarah in Dan, Shene'emar, as the pasuk says, Vayasem etayhad bevetel v'tayhad natan, Bidan, all this idol worship was taking place in Dan. Furthermore, you should know Dan was a not great place for Am Yisrael. The Afotorasha Lonit Gaber Achigiale Dan. Shene Emar Midan Nishma Naharat Susav Mikol Misalot Abira Vraasha. The Pasuk describes how Nebuchadnezzar in his approach of Am Yisrael has his horses making their noises from Dan. Dan was the place where he gained his strength. Dan is not a great place. As a result, Abraham stops at Dan in the eyes of Rabbi Yohanan and loses some, some strength because of the realization this place is a place of quote-unquote bad omen. Amar bizera afal gav, bizera's statement is, even though that there was this message from Rabbi Yudah ben Betera Nitzivin, What's his statement? He has a several-fold statement. Hizaharu. I want you to be careful about the following things. There's going to be a list of things. And keep in mind, he starts the statement with Afalgab. Even though, so we'll have to understand what the even though is. But first, what's the statement that was sent? Hizaharu bezaken sheshachach talmudos. Gemara masech berachot nafchet. You should be careful about with a elderly person who forgot their Talmud. The Gemara, for example, describes how Rav Yosef at the end of his life forgot his Talmud. I was, well, you're dealing with the person who doesn't know anything any longer. I shouldn't have respect for them. Says Rashi in our Gemara, be honest. He didn't do it uh, knowingly and purposefully forget his, his Torah. He's a person who's endowed and imbued with a certain uh, stature and status beyond that of the regular person, even if they don't remember the Torah. There's a tremendous Musar over here. First and foremost, the Gemara Aram Berachot, for example, says we learn this from the fact that the luchot v'shivre luchot hayumunachim ba'aron. That not only were the intact second luchot in the Aron, the first ones which were shattered were also placed there. As a result, the idea being not only something that's complete is what we revere and understand we have to respect, but even that thing which is shattered, the shivre luchot. But what's the idea? There's one of two or more messages to be derived from this. First and foremost, we sometimes have that 
tendency to assume Talmud Torah is about how much I remember, how much I know. I'll respect the person who knows a lot. What about the person who learns a lot? What about the person who strives and has lots of efforts in Torah? The description over here is even though he doesn't have Yediata Torah any longer, Be'ones, against his will, against his capability, there's a honor and respect which is due to him because of his Isaac Torah, because of his Limut Torah, because of the person he's become and is through being a Talmud Hacham at one point, even with regards to his knowledge. Furthermore, there's an irony, but a true irony with regards to, in my mind, novelty of Torah, to be mehadesh in any aspect, in any segment of the world, to come up with new ideas, it's very often very difficult. To be creative means I have to break from the norm. It's hard to break from the norm. If I have in my mind what we've been saying, what we've said, what the system tells me, to think out of the box is not simple at all. It's for that reason, the Gemara Masech Bava Batra says that, uh, that from the day that prophecy was uh, banished and diminished in Am Yisrael, well, there's still a few with whom you'll find it. Who are they? The Shotim, the crazy people, and the children. Crazy people and children, the suggestion in that Gemara as well is that crazy people and children are people who don't think within the system. The children haven't been conditioned to think within the system. The crazy people, people who are, are somewhat deranged in their mind, they might be dangerous for other reasons, but in terms of novelty of thought, they can think out of the box. They can see things that you and I can't. As a result, if it's a Zaken Shashachach Talmudo, it's an individual who might have skills, who doesn't have the, the storage of information. He, now you open up to a test, you ask him to explain the Torah, he'll have a novel new interpretation. He can be very creative beyond the capacity of others. What I'm suggesting is in the second interpretation, uh, beyond just have respect because he once had and it's against his will, have respect because he might have something that you don't have. Okay, next thing, Mehamat uh, Onso, because of that onus, he didn't forget it, of course, on person. Vihizaharu, and furthermore, you should be careful, this message was, Bevaridin describes a mahlokit about the proper slaughter of specific of birds and the veins that should or should not be slaughtered. And the statement, second statement over here, apparently a relevant one at that time, is be careful, make certain that you follow the opinion of Biuda and you slaughter them. Uh, when you go ahead and slaughter chickens, we can talk about this one in greater depth. And lastly, says the Gemara, And the last statement of Biuda Bimetera was, Be careful with the children of ignoramuses. Amaharetz is a person who doesn't know Torah. Why should you be careful with them? Because from them, Torah will spread forth. They will be the emergent knowers and spreaders of Torah. That's an interesting last statement. The ones who are the children of Amehaaretz, the Gemara does say in Masechin Nidarim, when it's talking about destruction of Mikdash, that there's a tendency of bene talmideh hachamim to not be talmideh hachamim, which I think we can each understand within context for one of several reasons. Either they take for granted what's taking place, or there's a rebellious side, or there's an inability to pay full attention to them while you're involved with the kelal. But the Gemara does have this statement over here and elsewhere that the bene ameha aretz, those who are ironically born into the family and, and parents who don't know much, oftentimes emerge as the ones who are the greatest leaders with regards to teaching and spreading and knowing Torah. Now, what does it have to do with our Gemara? Well, the last line, Ki Hamilta 
mod'inan lehu. On that last issue, says the Gemara, said going back to the initial part of this, if you recall, we started this whole statement just a few lines up, and it went like this, Amar Bizera said, even though you're supposed to be careful on each of these several things, uh, nonetheless, what's the nonetheless here? The nonetheless is, on this last issue, you can and should tell them. What do you mean? Who are you telling? That uh, you should be careful with them because Torah will come out. Rashi has one of two interpretations. Either, says Rashi, this is bringing us back to what we were talking about earlier. We were talking about the children of Sanhedrin earlier. And Rashi says we're playing a little bit of hopscotch in the Gemara. We just talked about the children of Sanhedrin. And on Sadivava Mutbet, on the next side of this page, we'll see that from the descendants of descendants of Sanhedrin, there were tremendous scholars and teachers of Torah. The Gemara says Shema'ayana Avtalyon came from them. In turn, says Rashi, the interpretation of the Gemara is make certain that you understand in this context that there's a certain circumstance wherein the children, the descendants, and what's the not having care? I thought you're supposed to be careful about this. Says Rashi, you should tell them, you should make clear that your honor for them is an honor in which you understand that they, it's not because of their lineage that they're important, but because of the Torah that they know. So set them in their place, even though you have a certain care for them. Second interpretation of Rashi is the next few, next many lines in the Gemara. The next many lines in the Gemara jump into a whole different description. It's a description of four steps that Nebuchadnezzar takes in the proper direction with regards to uh, honoring and respecting God. And because of that, he's praised. And because of that, we almost lose completely and fully. Well, that being the case, uh, says Rashi, maybe it's going on those next few lines, understand that if the descendants of a Rashad, the descendants of an Am Ha'aretz are successful, look at them and say, you should know it's not the, something that you guys did properly. Maybe your forefather, even though we smothered him, even though God treated him harshly, he was a Rasha, maybe he had some sort of merit. Either way, you slice, slice it, that's the statement here in the Gemara. Says the Gemara in turn, this Pasuk, says the Pasuk, Sadiq Ata Adonai, Ki Ariv Elecha, this is a pasuk that's uh, being quoted from Sefer Yirmiyahu. Sadiq atadunai ki arive lecha, ach mishpatim adaber otach, madua derech reshaim selecha, shalu kol bogede baget. The pasuk is describing the success and the ways of the reshaim, almost like a rasha' vetoblo. Why do they have success? Continues the pasuk. Nita'atam gam shorashu, and so there's this elongated request and puzzled side of Yirmiyahu. What's with the success of uh, the wicked ones? And he might be and probably is referring, as the Gemara will understand it, to Nebuchadnezzar. What sort of response did they give to Yirmiyahu? Pasuk says, Ki et raglim raseta vayaluch. Says some sort of response, and the Gemara will flesh it out, we'll pay attention to the first words. You've been successful running with your feet against others with their feet. How can you even think that you're going to be successful against horses with your feet? What sort of response is that? 
As obviously it's some sort of parable. But what's taking place, says the Gemara, I'll tell you what it means. It's the mashal goes as follows to a person who says, I can run three parsaot in front of horses. I can run faster than them and maintain that distance between me and the horses. Ben Hamaim, I can not only do it in front of horses, I can do it when I'm in swamp land, swamp grounds, which is much harder if he gets stuck in the ground. Nizdamenlo Ragli Ehad. As a result, as he wants to prove or test whether he can actually do this, he finds another person who's running, not a horse. Okay, instead of being four parsaot, which is a larger measurement, he's able to maintain the distance between himself and that other person, three milin, it's a smaller measurement, in the dry lands, which is easier as well. Again, here's the circumstance. I say to you guys, you know something? I could run so fast in front of horses in swamp lands. You say, oh, really? I say, yeah, watch this. And I find Eddie, Eddie, you're a runner? Great, let's go. I'll beat you. And I run in front of you, not the same distance, not as fast, on dry land. And when I finish that, vanilla, I'm all tired. I'm out of shape. You turn to me and you go, uh, Rabbi, uh, it's really nice that you think you're that fast. But, and you are really fast. But that fast? You're not able to overcome horses in the swampland if you're tired from running against a person less of a distance in the dry land. Amar le umalifne. If you're tired from running in front of a person with legs, certainly in front of horses. And if it's been so for just the distance of three milin, and if it's been like this on dry lands that you're tired and you're not capable, then it's if it's in the swamp areas, and here's the final line, we won't flesh it fully out, but we'll see the punchline to Yirmiyahu with this mashal. You seem to be questioning the fact that the Rasha, Nebuchadnezzar, has some sort of success. I'm telling you the success. The success is because of, how are you, Victor? The success is because of some sort of Ritsa, some sort of running after my kabod, which you don't understand. And I've blessed him as a result. Again, we'll have to figure out what that is in the ensuing lines of the Gemara. However, here's the Allah Hat Kama Vechama. Keshani Meshalem, Sechala, Avraham, Tzhak, Yaakov, Sherasu, Lefanai, Kesusim, Allah Hat Kama Vechama. If you're puzzled and not understanding and astonished by this Beracha that I've given to a Rasha for four steps, you can only imagine the, the reward that I'm going to give and, uh, and, and hand over for the descendants of Avraham, Tzhak, and Yaakov who ran in front of me like horses. In other words, the response to Yirmiyahu is you're a little short-sighted in your vision over here. If you're puzzled and you can't understand why are they succeeding, why are we diminished in our power, just understand they're succeeding in this moment, but use it as a kalvahome. If they're succeeding for the very few righteous deeds and acts that they've had, you can only imagine how much success is going to fall your way in the future in the ensuing lines of the Gemara it'll flesh out for us and describe what were those four steps that we've been referring to Baruch Adonai Le'olam Amen